Want to know why your interiors or images don't look like the ones you see on your favorite social media feeds? What if I said I could let you know and show you what's missing and how to transform your spaces with clarity and confidence? The truth is creating beautiful interiors is simple when you know the right strategies, but most people go about it the wrong way. This is why I created the Styling Masterclass. It's the only program that simplifies the art and science of styling, giving you the clarity and confidence to take your interiors to the next level and attract your dream customers or clients so you can make your creative dreams finally possible. This is for you if you're an interior designer or photographer, have an Airbnb, a homeware shop or e-commerce business, and you want your interiors to look like the ones you see in your favorite books, magazines or Instagram accounts. Come learn how to style using my signature method so you can elevate any interior and create compelling imagery, which is your most effective marketing tool if you're selling a product or service in the world of interiors. Any successful business owner knows that styling is your secret weapon to cut through the visual noise, stand out from the crowd and grow your business. Styling is something that you don't want to leave to chance. In today's world, images are everything. This is why leading interior designers and architects always use stylists to finesse their spaces for photography to make sure they've got incredible imagery that they can use for their socials and website. Come learn how to make styling not only an essential element, an easy way to create content for your socials and website, but learn how it can propel the growth of your creative business. If you're serious about creating beautiful interiors and a business you love without struggling in obscurity, this is the program for you. I'm going to share my process and give insights that you're not going to get anywhere else because I've been working as a professional interior stylist for the past 15 years. The Styling Masterclass will give you that clarity and confidence you need to take action and connect with your dream customer or client so you can make your creative dreams possible. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level to learn more and enroll now. Enrollments are open for only a short time. So please, if you're interested and you're ready to take your interiors to the next level, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level. And I think one of the biggest things is it's an industry where a lot of people keep to themselves and it can be quite isolating and everyone gets a little bit scared to tell them your journey and how they got there and what lenses they use and what they're charging. And there's more than enough work out there. I've done this for so long now that there is so much work out there and you're going to get people who want to work with you for you. Welcome to Imprint, a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Imprint. I'm very much looking forward to sharing today's conversation with you. It is with Nat Spada, and she is perhaps better known to you as the Palm Co. Over the past six years, she has really become quite a force with the interior styling and photography world and has had her work featured in magazines and on covers. You would certainly recognize some of her images. And she shares in our conversation about her journey to becoming an interior photographer and stylist and how she got her start in property styling, some of the big lessons that she learned during that time, as well as growing her own creative business and really how, you know, sometimes you've just got to take that chance. So I hope that you enjoy our conversation. And here is Nat Sparta. Hi, Nat. Welcome to Imprint. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast and to learn more about you and your journey because I keep seeing you here, there and everywhere. 
Um, your business has been growing at an amazing rate and I'm really excited to learn more about you and um, like I said, the, the journey of your business because I think it's a really great story for many other people who are interested in the world of interiors and styling and all of the things. So first of all, though, I like to kind of start at the beginning because I find it fascinating, and I think others do too, um, to hear a little bit more about your backstory and how you even, you know, got onto this journey. So, and I do find it interesting and quite often the case that there's often threads in our childhood or those kind of early teen years where it makes sense, the journey that we're now on. And so I'm just curious about you, where did you grow up and were you creative as a kid? What were some of those threads in those kind of teen years where you're trying to starting to explore your interests and um, your passions? Was interiors, photography, was any of that in there? Hello, thank you for having me on here. I'm very excited. Um, yes, I did. So growing up, my mum was quite creative. So she would always set up, um, like, I guess, activities for us to do as kids. And then as I went into high school, I was definitely into the creative side of things. So I was doing textiles and I think I also would go to my brother's baseball games and I would be sewing or knitting or making jewellery. I just, mum always took activities for us girls because baseball games are long. They were like three hours. So I guess that's kind of where it all started. And I was quite young then. And then, yeah, as I got into high school, I got into both sport and design. So I could have gone down either path, but I definitely loved the sewing side of things and textiles and everything like that. So yeah, when I left high school, I couldn't decide whether to go down the creative path, path and do design or whether to go into like an exercise science type of degree. And then I just had to pick one. So I picked a bachelor of design and sort of went down that path, did a lot of um, graphics work, uh, did it was kind of like a bit of an all-rounded course and I didn't know what direction I was going to go with it so I loved the interior side of things I actually thought I'd be a fashion designer I think when I originally got into design which is so not me now so I don't know what I thought I would go down that path um, but then I got into designing textiles and doing cushions and all that kind of stuff and then ended up yeah getting like a degree in design I majored in textiles and graphic design and then got an internship doing graphic design work so that's kind of where it went but I've always been sort of someone who doesn't sit still so I've always been creative in some way or another yes, yes. so yeah I went from the um, graphic design internship and then that kind of went into sort of I got sick of sitting in front of a computer. I did that for about, I don't even know how long, maybe five years. And then decided sitting at a computer doing graphics wasn't for me. And I started up my parents' house. I went out and bought stuff. I'd learned photography doing the graphics sort of thing and just did a photographed portfolio of interiors and then applied for a job as a stylist and then got the job as a stylist and kind of went from there. So that was the beginning into the world of, I guess, interiors and styling for me. Yeah. So g give us a little bit of context. So where did you grow up? Um, obviously, Australia, for those of you know you who are listening around yes. the world, because there is very much an international audience for, for this podcast. But can you give paint a picture of a little bit of where it was in Australia? Yeah. So I grew up in Sydney, just in like a little suburb. Um, near Menai and pretty much was there my whole life and then moved around sort of coastal once I got older and moved out of home I lived sort of uh Canola way and now we've ended up being down the south coast here so yeah always been sort of close to the city yeah and then went to I studied um and went to uni at Paddington at College of Fine Arts in New South Wales great I, I know Menai. I mean, this will maybe surprise you. I don't know, but I actually went to St. Pat's at Sutherland for a couple of years for my last two years of high school. And uh, 
yeah, know that area very well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's funny how. I didn't you, know that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've spent many years in the Shire, as they call it. And um, anyone who lives in the Shire knows the Shire. It's, uh, yeah. it's like one bridge in and one bridge out. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but um, anyway, that's a, that's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, so so you said you applied for a job in styling. I mean, they can sometimes be hard to come by. What kind of job was it? Where was it? What kind of styling was it? Because obviously there are so many different types of styling as well. Yeah. So I started in property styling. So which has become a massive industry today. It wasn't big when I got into it, which would have been, oh, I have probably, I've had the Palm Co for six years and I think I was doing property styling for six years before that. So it, yeah, it's definitely grown into a huge industry, but back then it was very much about just styling houses for sale. Um, it was a good entry into the styling world and trying to sort of establish your own look and feel and that kind of thing. And yeah, so I basically, I was styling houses, picking all of the accessories, everything to go in them. And then the first company I was with, I stayed with them for six years. And so by the time I left, I was doing sort of a split role. I was doing half my time styling out on site and half my time in the marketing and graphic design department. So I was also photographing all of our houses by the end of it and putting together all the marketing material and that sort of thing. So yeah, I did starting property styling, then over the six years sort of started my own little side hustle, I suppose, where I was styling houses for residential, um, as well as doing graphic design. And I also started my first business, which was called um, Fox and Finn at the time. And it was just linen and leather cushions. So it was like working in a little sweat box in my one bedroom apartment in Cronulla, cutting the fabric, sewing it, putting the zippers in. <laughs> sewing the leather on, designing all the prints, all that kind of thing. So yes, that's what I thought I was going to have a career in the homewares industry, but then learned very quickly it's hard to do it all yourself. So yeah, that was my first little business. Yeah, interesting. Um, I I have to ask you about this property styling because I do think that it is um something that's still undervalued in a lot of ways. Like I do think that you know, styling your home now, you know, some people call it home staging for sale is, is such a powerful way to kind of add value to your home before you sell it and can really transform a space. Um, was it like a separate agency? It was it part of a real estate agency or was it, uh, or as a separate company that would then basically sell their services to real estate companies or their clients? And, um, and can you share, like, what were some of the things that you learned during that process? I mean, six years is, you know, a considerable amount of time to be doing that. What did you learn worked well? What were some of, you know, yeah, from the whole gamut of like, I guess, the sourcing process, the working out what it was going to look like, and then what translated well in terms of the imagery for sale? Maybe you can also share some tips for people to think about if they need to do that for their places. Yeah, oh, it's been a while since I've done property styling, but yeah, definitely it's sort of after you've done it for so long, it becomes second nature, just like everything else. But um, it was done for a company that just purely did property styling. So it wasn't part of a real estate agency. Uh, they, yeah, they just literally were hired to style houses for sale. And it does, it, it definitely transform the, transforms the house. I think because a lot of people will see an empty space and aren't really sure how to get the most out of it. So we would go in, you know, work out the floor plans and then bring in all the furniture. It sort of did start as a very structured process in which it was just to show the layout. It was pretty, it, um, you know, invited whoever was coming to potentially buy the property in to see it. And then by the time I had finished up, it was a lot about really creating this whole experience where you could picture yourself in the house. So it did escalate quite quickly in terms of we went from putting just like big furniture items and that sort of thing in into, you know, all of the, the details that really make a house a home and, you know, the books that were on the coffee table, it, it definitely evolved. So I guess um, it's definitely undervalued. I think majority of the people can't picture how to 
pull a space together. And I think that's what property styling did. It's very different to residential styling because you need to appeal to the masses. So you can't really add too much personality and character. And I guess that's probably in the end why I sort of stepped away from it because I really love seeing personality in a home and character in a home. And um, having been in property styling for six years, I, I really did love it. I loved the company that I worked for at the time. I mean, it's a long it's a long time to stay with one company and I stayed with it because it was a great bunch of girls to style with. Um, I just really loved styling. I thought I loved the hands-on side of things. I got out of graphic design because I hated sitting at a computer all day, every day, which is funny because then when you do photography, you're actually at the computer quite a lot. Um, so I loved the mix of styling, doing graphic design and photography. And then eventually when I left, that that was what I took into my own business. So I, when I started the Palm Co, it was multidisciplinary. It was styling with interiors, which is the part of it I'd actually thought was going to be the path that I'd go down. Um, it also was obviously interior photography and then graphic design. And then as the business evolved, obviously the photography just took off. So that's become the primary part of my business. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, no, I mean, I, styling, but it's definitely an undervalued industry. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess I'll ask you about three questions in one. So <laughs> uh, that probably doesn't help, but um <laughs> Yeah. So can you just sort of shine a light a little bit though on the, like how your days and weeks were structured during that time of working as a property stylist? Like were you, um, you know, sourcing a couple of days a week and then doing the install on a certain day, or were you working on a few different homes every week? I just think it would be really interesting to provide a little bit of an insight into what that world is like and certainly what it was like for you while you were working in that role. Yeah, so I think it depends on on the company you're with. So the first company I was with, we had a senior stylist who basically would set the brief for what we had to put together. So they would go and do all of the site visits. They would take the photos, come back, provide me with a floor plan, and we would select based on that. So my days would be coming in, picking up the brief sheet that I've been handed, going and sourcing everything in a big, huge warehouse, which was massive. I think people didn't realise how big it was. I mean, the company I was working for was styling, you know, hundreds of houses. We were doing at least three or four a day. It was quite a big thing. I mean, and it just got bigger and bigger. So um, I guess I would be styling one or two or packing one or two jobs a day and then styling one or two jobs on any other day and then when I was doing the split role it would be uh three days styling and two days doing marketing and photography so it just depends the, the day I think one of my favorite things about it was that the days were all different you didn't know exactly what you were going to get the briefs varied from a classic home to a modern house um you know to Australian contemporary there was some you know eclectic homes in there so everything was so different and you just styled based on the property that you were given so we had, you know, shelves and shelves of bathroom props and kitchen props. And yeah, it was all about pulling together your clusters and getting cushions and colours that work together. So it was really, really fun. And there could have been, you know, anywhere up to 14 of us packing at any one time. So it was really like 14 of us in a big shopping centre, just pulling together all the looks. It was a really, it was a really fun intro into the world of styling. Wow. That's, that's huge to do three shoots in one day and, um, and have 14 of you. I mean, and, and the, the warehouse, do you, I mean, what sort of size company was it? Do you know, like how many people in total was employed by that company? Oh, I don't know how many people I'd say probably 30 because most of us were stylists or truck drivers. And then there was the office team and the same thing. We had five senior stylists who would go out all over um, Sydney and they would be the ones that did all the site visits and provided us with the briefs. So yeah, I guess it, when the market was booming, I guess spring was probably the biggest season and yeah, we could be out there styling. Oh, I don't even know how many houses it would have been a day, but to have any one of us on one or two per day was quite a lot, but yeah, it was a really, really fun industry to be in. 
Uh, and that was one of the bigger companies. And then when I had left there, I went for a smaller company and was doing everything from um, the like sourcing of all the large items, pulling together the brief, packing every tiny little bit, going to site, doing everything at the other end, putting it all together, photographing it, and then heading off. So it just depends. I mean, every styling company or property styling company runs differently. Um, the first company was definitely one of the biggest ones and one of the beginning ones that uh, started in Sydney. Yeah. So it was great to be part of their, their team. I think they're called Navari now. They were called Advantage when I was working for them. Interesting. Um, I want to ask you about your photography as well while you were learning or doing that um, as that part of that split role. But can you just share, though, some tips? Like if people are looking to style their own place for sale, what were some of the things that you found worked or, you know, were really important? I mean, I'd imagine the editing the space. Did you get involved in actually editing the spaces and taking things out of the, the homes? A lot of that we didn't really do. Oh, well, we did. We did a few partial jobs, which was essentially taking out what a lot of the clients things and putting in things that were better suited to the space for sale. So definitely one of the biggest tips was always decluttering. I think decluttering and then decluttering again, if everyone has a different understanding of what decluttering is and when it's, when you're inviting all these people into your house to hopefully, you know, get them on to sell to them, you don't want to overwhelm them, overwhelm them with lots of stuff. So I guess trying to explain how important decluttering was, was a huge thing. And also just removing all of like the family photos and that kind of thing, just because you do want to leave it open to their interpretation. They can picture their own family in there. It's a little bit um, of a deterrent if you see other family photos. So that is definitely a big thing, removing all your personal items. Um, and also just layout. Consider the layout is a, is a massive one. I think a lot of people tend to have really big bulky furniture and it can sometimes be in the way. So we would often remove all of the big bulky furniture and put a lot of slimline furniture in its place just so people could easily walk through the space and it didn't feel, you know, crammed or overwhelming. It was just really nice and light and inviting. And one of the biggest tips was always to do a fresh coat of paint because I think people don't realise... <laughs> the importance of um, a fresh coat of paint, especially if you've lived in the space for so long, sometimes you can't see those little things that stand out to other people, which is probably one of the biggest values of getting someone in who ha has fresh eyes and hasn't seen the space and can tell you how to, you know, present it at its best to get the best outcome. Yeah, was great. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it because um, I haven't really had someone on that has got experience in property styling, but yet I know it's you know, it is such a big industry and it's so important, whether it's just for your own home or if you wanted to do it for clients or, um, you know, there's so many different avenues and possibilities. So I thought it was really interesting to kind of get your perspective on that. So you mentioned then you started to do a bit more of a split role and do photography. So did you teach yourself photography or um, how did that come about? Yeah, so I learned photography when I was doing my graphic design. I did a little bit of photography at uni. I was definitely more on the retouching side of things. So I did a whole course on retouching and basically creating art by merging, you know, 10 images together. And so I was definitely a retoucher before I was a photographer. And then when I went out into the working world and got a job as a graphic designer, I found we were using a lot of iStock and I was spending hours scrolling through iStock and it wasn't always relevant to what I was looking for. And so then I went out and did a night course, which was once a week for 10 weeks. And it just taught me the basics of photography and how to get that camera off auto. And everything from there was self-taught. So once I'd left the graphic design job and I got the job in interiors, I sort of put my role came up in marketing halfway through. I think I'd been there for about three years or so and the role came up in marketing and I thought, I'll give it a crack. So um, I obviously had the graphic design experience and I had a little bit of experience with the photography and I loved interiors. So I remember doing my first photo shoot 
and feeling so overwhelmed because I hadn't, I didn't really understand the settings specific to shooting interiors. So it was a lot of trial and error. And I could only really find a lot of information out there on real estate photography, which it wasn't my style of photography then. It's definitely not my style of photography now. It definitely, it has its place, but it just wasn't what I was trying to capture. So I knew what I wanted the photo to look like. Um, and I just needed to work out how to get it there and dealing with different lighting situations and learning things basically the hard way by learning what doesn't work. Um, that's kind of where I got to, it was great because I had that opportunity to go out and have that trial and error and I had these beautiful spaces to learn in. So I was very lucky in that way. And because obviously we were doing, uh, styling so many houses daily, I had a lot of homes to choose from to go out. So I had a lot of different lighting situations and I had a lot of different, um, some had curtains, some didn't have curtains, some had dark walls, some were light and bright. So I had a lot of different uh, opportunities to trial and error everything. And that's kind of where it took off and I absolutely loved doing it. But I loved coming from a styling background. I really loved looking at the photo from a stylist perspective. So I didn't just look at it and go, oh, the composition's this. I was like, how does the teapot look? How's the tea towel looking? You know, does it need something else? Have I put too much in there? So I was kind of looking at it from all angles, which was really good. But um, yeah, so a lot of it was self-taught in terms of interior photography specifically and then trial and error and practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Can you, um, can you share a little bit with listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with photography about the differences between real estate photography and sort of more, I guess, editorial style photography um, because they are very different, like they're different, often sometimes it's different lenses that are used and, you know, the, the approach of using light, like what, can you just sort of give a little bit of a, a basic rundown for people who maybe don't re- like, they sort of maybe understand that they look a bit different, but they don't really have a better understanding of like, well, what's actually at play here. Cause it's a different goal, isn't it? What you're trying to create really. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Real estate photography is very much about trying to capture the space as a whole in one image, showing how big it is and how open the space is and the view. And you're really just going in trying to capture the space as a whole. And then editorial photography, you're trying to almost transport your audience into the image. You want them to feel like they're there. So it's not always about getting the big wide angle shots. It's more about getting, you know, three or four images to tell the story of that space. So, and the styling supports the photography in that way, in that you might style it, you know, with a coffee cup with some coffee in it as if someone's just stepped out of the space or you'll, you know, you might just throw, have a throw on the sofa rather than, you know, neatly positioned or off to the side. The styling element is huge in the difference between editorial photography and real estate photography. Real estate photography, you don't really touch the styling too much. It's kind of like just going there. Your goal is to get the room as big as possible with the view and just, you know, get five or 10 good shots just to show the whole house. Editorial is a lot more involved in trying to create that story of what could happen within the home and make you feel like you just stepped out of the space. Yeah. And definitely there's different lenses. Yeah. I'm going to ask you about lights as, as well in a moment, but I, I just, um, I just have to share this because I think that if you're not getting in an external stylist, you know, to style your home for real estate photography, because obviously when you sell a home, the, the real estate agent is always going to send a photographer, you know, there's always going to be some images. And so I know in my personal experience that I've made sure, cause I know that they're really not going to move anything, the real estate photographers. So I make sure it yeah. start exactly how I want it to look. And I know that really, and I, I will say like, I don't want them to touch anything <laughs> in terms of the styling. Cause I like, I know that this is how I want it to look. And um, so, yeah, if you, you know, if you're styling your home for sale, then you want to make sure you've got that styling component right because generally a real estate photographer is not going to change anything. So you want everything to be into place and, and you can even say that to them, please don't move anything unless it's like absolutely necessary. You know, they're just moving things out of the shop, but I don't want them 
<laughs> trying to ruffle yeah. anything or do anything strange or weird. Um, sorry, I just had to interject with that. Uh, so what about lights then? Because I know that the way that um, like sort of light is used in real estate photography is very different to editorial. And, you know, as you said, like you've experimented and, you know, through trial and error kind of got um, a particular look and you've got a very distinctive look with your photography as part of the Palm Co. And we'll get into that journey as well. But can you just shine a little bit of light on light for us? <laughs> yes, definitely. I'm um, actually just going back to the real estate photography and then I will dive into light. It's funny because they real estate photographers really won't move anything. So um, when I say declutter, like move your bins out of the way because they'll just go in and shoot it exactly as it is, even if you've got a garbage bin sitting right in the middle of the room. So, yeah, there's definitely big differences between the real estate and editorial um, photographers. Uh, in terms of lighting, I established very early on that I loved natural light. I think light makes the biggest impact on the space and how light interacts with the space. So I do rely on natural light. I mean, I take flashes and things with me as a backup, but I think nine, I mean, 99% of the time I don't use any artificial lighting. Uh, I would rather, you know, set my shutter speed really slow and let as much natural light into the lens as possible before I reach for a flash just because I just don't love the look of artificial lighting and having said that it does have its place in interior photography but um yeah for the most part I always rely on natural lighting and in terms of in like the lights inside I always have them turned off so I know a lot of videographers will go through and def definitely real estate uh, photographers will always go through and turn the lights on because they just want to inject as much light into the space and make their job as easy as possible. Whereas to get that real inviting image without the harsh shadows and just a really soft photo, yeah, turn all of the lights off. Unless, of course, the builder has put in, you know, specific LED lights or the designer has specified something, you know, really fancy with the lighting, in which case I'll always shoot it lights on and lights off. But yeah, most of the time I'll always shoot with the lights off. So that's one of the biggest tips for anyone learning interior photography is to turn the lights off. Yeah. So, and then in terms of, yeah, artificial lighting, you can use, um, you know, speed light flashes or have the big soft boxes and that kind of thing. But I don't do any of that. I've got a speed light that I take with me. Otherwise, I just rely on the tripod and a slow shutter speed and really good lenses. Yeah. That's um, often like a kind of, a warning sign for me, like if I'm going on to a shoot with a photographer I haven't worked with before and they kind of start wanting to use a flash, I'm like, no, 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 we're not, we're not using a flash. We're just going to use natural light. You know, like, um, I mean, all of the books that I've created with photographer Chris Warns, I mean, that's all natural light. And some of those spaces have been very, very dark. You wouldn't believe it. And we have homeowners like, do you want us to put the lights in? It's like, no, 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 no lights. <laughs> we just do really <laughs> slow shutter speed and, um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing what you can do with that. Um, and uh, I, I also sort of say as well, like to anyone who is, you know, on Instagram, like showing photos of their home, like always turn your lights off, you know, if you're, even if just using your iPhone, that kind of thing. Students in my courses for the Style Masterclass, like turn the lights off. It's, it's yes, it's so important because it can kind of like cast this funny glow, which you just don't want in your images as well. So, um, yeah, I think that's really important. So tell me then, you obviously, like you said, you, you worked for six years with this company. It started to go into a slightly different role. How did you then, what pushed you to start the Palm Co? And, and was that the first thing then you did or was there another job in between? Uh, so, no, I did. I loved doing the styling and that kind of thing. I just, I got married and... I went overseas to, I went to Europe for 12 weeks. And when I came back, I just, I had always wanted to work myself. That's why I'd always had, you know, my fo the Fox and Finn business and a side hustle of doing styling and that kind of thing. I guess the end goal was always to work for myself. But I mean, I'd grown up in a family that it was very um, like, you know, work your nine to five, reliable jobs. It was very much encouraged to work for someone else because you got, had that reliability. And so, 
as much as I'd always wanted to work myself, I very much operated off fear. And so like reliable jobs were what I had always turned to. And so I came back and my husband, who is opposite to me and he's a risk taker and he's like, give everything a go. I thought, no, I can't do that. And then I had uh, coffee with another friend who was in the interior design business and she had her own business and she's like, what's the worst case now? You go and work with someone else. You do this, it doesn't work out. And then you go back and you get a job and you work with someone else and, you know, you've given it a shot. And so I sort of ummed and ahed about it. And then I, yeah, I, me being the over planner and over preparer, I resigned from the job that I was at and got myself a part-time job so that I had enough money coming in to pay the bills and not feel that pressure of having no income. And then I resigned, yeah, and started the Palm Co and thought I, if I can just make enough money at this part-time job, it was a part-time job at another property styling company. Um, so I worked there for about six months before the Palm Co took off and I had enough income coming in for it to be a full-time job. So it only took six months to really get it up and running, which was like, I never expected. I remember someone saying, oh, because I had my side hustle and I remember thinking like, oh, but it, the, the jobs are few and far between. And this friend of mine who was in the interior, she goes, but once you get out there and you do it full time, you've got to work for it and the work will snowball. And, you know, you've got that drive and that ambition, you'll get work regardless. You'll pivot your business to make it work for you. And so... Yeah, that's basically how I've always worked it. I have pivoted my business. I've evolved as things have changed and the work did snowball and the like word of mouth referrals just kept coming in and it all kind of took off from there. So, and the Palm Co, like I said, I originally started thinking I would go down the path of doing styling, but um, I really loved the photography and the styling together. And so that sort of became the focus for me. Yeah. So what were you um, originally with your vision for, I know you say you were thinking about styling, but was that within the property styling or, because I know obviously you work with lots of brands now, but was that always part of the initial idea behind it or initially were you thinking about more property styling that you were going to do? It was always going to be residential styling. So I think I had sort of outgrown the property styling. I really wanted to, you know, put character into the home and chat with homeowners and bring their vision to life. Whereas property styling was a lot of fun, but it, like I said, it had to be really appealed to the masses. So you were really restricted in what you could sort of achieve in terms of like a storytelling perspective and actually getting that satisfaction from the homeowners being like, we love our space, that satisfaction wasn't there. Um, so yeah, I always had thought I'd go down the path of doing residential interior styling. And I did do that um, as well as, and I still do that now, um, but it's definitely the photography that took off. And I loved, I, <laughs> I'm one of those people that's just like, go, 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 always active. So I love that whole styling house, shooting a house, editing it. And it's such a quick, like turnover that you get such satisfaction out of looking at the images and knowing the client loves it and knowing you love it. I, I just really loved that side of the business and thought this is what's for me. It's doing the um, editorial styling and photography is where my passion is. So that's kind of the path that I went down and obviously being in property styling for so long, I guess the natural transition for a lot of people is to get into interiors. So I had a real network of interior designers and friends that had started their own business and started photographing their houses. And I just loved it. I think I was shooting at one point, like five days a week and editing at like overnight till two or three o'clock in the morning and then getting up and shooting again. And it was crazy, but it, I just loved it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that idea, isn't it? Like when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. Um, I can certainly relate yeah. to that. Uh, but um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess, so was that like some of your first clients? Cause I know that lots of people who, you know, they want to, and lots of people who listen to this podcast, you know, they're maybe in a different kind of career. They want to explore styling. They want to do something in the interiors industry, but it's always that challenge of finding your first client 
or your first handful of clients before you can get that momentum. So for you, was it, were those first clients really people within your network or were there other strategies and, and how long did that sustain you? Or did you get then referral of word of mouth and it just built from there? Or did you have to sort of do things to kind of be proactive of going out and getting clients, enough clients to make it a viable business? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a case of being proactive. I I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you're so lucky you do what you do, but it's, um, it's a lot of hard work. I did a lot of photo shoots for free or at a really cheap price. I mean, and at the time, like you said, when you love what you do, it doesn't really feel like work. So I just felt like I was out there, you know, I'd reach out to interior designers that I really respected in the industry and say, can I shoot your latest project? I'm happy to do it for free just to build up a bit of a portfolio. And I still work with most of those people today. So yes, I did a little bit of work for free in the beginning. I mean, I loved every second of it, but it always led to um, you know, paid bookings and things like that. So, I mean, I charged when I started what I thought I was worth. You know, you you get better and you evolve over the years and you increase your pricing and all of that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I did a lot of work for free to start out with and then built up the client base that way. And then as people in the industry, I think I was 24 or 25 at the time, I know I was 27 when I started the Palm Co, but um, a lot of the people were around the same age as me. So they were sort of just starting out in their interior design business. So I did shoot for a lot of friends that were starting their businesses. Um, and then now their businesses have also flourished. And so I'm booking in with them regularly. So it's a bit of a combination and always just continuously updating my portfolio. Even now I'll reach out to um, architects and designers and, you know, just say, I'd love to work with you. and you know, send, send them my rates. It never really stops. Like, yes, um, I've got a lot of work coming in, but you still, even now, have people that you dream you can work with. So I don't think that ever ever changes. And I do think you have to put in the hard work in the beginning to build up a portfolio So and to get access to the houses. And it's really important to also put out there the work that you're wanting to be getting in. So photographing the right kind of work and working with the right kind of people that align with your business. So important. And in terms of getting, if you're, you know, in another career and you're looking at getting into interior photography, um, it's always good to just give it a go and see how it goes for you. And then if you do have friends with beautiful houses, you know, just ask them if you can go and shoot them, spending a few hours there and have a play with the styling. You'll only get better the more that you do it. So, I mean, I didn't, when I started, I couldn't find anywhere that had a lot of resources for interior photography, which is why I'm now doing a lot more in the education side of things, because I'm trying to help people not have to go through that trial and error that I went through. So, but it is, it's, a, I mean, and I think one of the biggest things is it's an industry where a lot of people keep to themselves and it can be quite isolating and everyone gets a little bit scared to tell them your journey and how they got there and what lenses they use and what they're charging and there's more than enough work out there I've done this for so long now that there is so much work out there and you're going to get people who want to work with you for you so yeah I don't I don't want to keep it all so close to my chest I'm happy to answer any questions and do all that kind of thing because I wish I had access to that sort of help when I was starting. So how long ago was it that you launched the Palm Co and can you sort of paint a picture of how that business is different from when you first started to what you're doing today? Sort of give us a bit of a look at what the Palm Co looks like today because I know that you've got now staff that are working for you. It's sort of like very much a growing business. Can you sort of share a little bit of the before and after of your, of your business? Yes, so the Palm Co started in 2017 and I was doing everything. Um, I do feel like back then though I had nothing but time. So <laughs> when you start a business, you just, yeah, you've got a lot of free time. I also didn't have a baby, um, which just adds a whole other level to time and lack of it. But when I started uh, the Palm Co, I was basically t- saying yes to everything. I said yes to a lot of jobs. I was doing uh, like 
everything from wedding invitations, anything graphic design. So wedding invitations, uh, branding, websites, and then was I was styling and photographing houses all over. Um, and I was also doing residential styling. So my days were so different. I could be doing anything from spending an entire day doing branding at home or, and the next day I could be out, you know, sourcing all of the props from all over to go and style a photo shoot the following day, then be up at night editing a shoot from earlier in the week. Uh, I was doing all of the bookings myself. <laughs> I would, yeah. And I was just doing everything myself. It's so different to what it is now. Um, now I have a styling assistant who comes to a lot of my bigger jobs with me. Sometimes I'll outsource the styling. I have a few um, stylist friends who I've known from my property styling days who started their own editorial styling businesses. So depending on the scope of work, if it's a huge job, I will get them on board to help me with the styling. And so we create the vision and the overall look together. It's a really collaborative approach. So we'll do that together. And then on the day they'll look after the styling and I'll look after the photography side of things. Um, I've got a VA who does all of my bookings and um, she books in everything. She gets the photos back to the clients. I've got an assistant who helps me on the smaller jobs where we're just smart, uh, styling, you know, kitchens and bathrooms. And uh, they just basically help me carry all the tubs in, unpack, we style the spaces together and then shoot. And then I've got another photographer, Ryan, who I send out to jobs all over. So sometimes we'll shoot together and sometimes we'll shoot separately. Um, yeah, it's very different. It's definitely, I could not keep up with it all if I didn't have the team. So, and that's a huge thing about running a business in the beginning. You've got that energy, you're just across everything because things are a little bit slower. And then as you know, referrals come in and you grow, you can either grow with the business or keep it small. And so I've just continuously been evolving and trying to grow as best I can, but it is quite hard because you get to a point where you think, I'm this sort of in between, do I hire someone? Do I not hire someone? Yeah, but you get to a point where you just can't do it all yourself. So that's, yeah, where I've reached out and I've always wanted, I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to the photography and styling. So I definitely still have, have my hands in all of the things when it comes to that. But yes, I having the extra help there is just, yeah, invaluable. And so what type of clients are you working mainly with these days? Can you kind of paint a little bit of the picture of, you know, your client base and, um, and also the, you know, your, a little bit of a look at your week, because you mentioned that you live on the South coast, um, sort of below South of Sydney. So I imagine I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, well, you know, do you, do you invoice for travel time, um, or not, you know, cause obviously I'm sure that you're working for brands that are based in Sydney or other areas. I know you've kind of come up to this area, the Byron Bay region, and then you've done some shoots up here in the past and, you know, so you do travel for work. So yeah, first of all, um, if you can kind of give us a little bit of a look at, well, all of those things really. Yeah. So, um, the business has definitely evolved in that way. And I had no idea how to run a business when I started. So I think you just grow with every new job that you get. The caliber of work is definitely different now to when I started. And I was just talking about this to another startup photographer last week and he was saying oh the, the quality of work is not the same as what you're doing and I was thinking well I mean I did I started out basically photographing anything and everything um just to get the work and so I now obviously have built up a bit more of a portfolio and I've got a lot of regular clients so most of my clients are either interior designers architects or builders so I don't do much. I think I, in the beginning I was doing real estate photography and product photography as well. And I don't do any of that anymore unless it's with products that align and I can shoot beautifully in beautiful homes. Um, and I've definitely got some brands that I love working with and I've like partnered with uh, because they do align with my business. So, and I love using their products in our shoots because it just takes them to that next level. I think 
a lot of people when they start out will go to Kmart and buy just cheap props and things like that to style houses. And I think that all comes back to, well, what kind of work do you want to be capturing? So if you want to be capturing beautiful homes where they put so much thought into the into the design details, but then you're going to style them with Kmart, it's just never going to align. And so it became really evident that it's a great opportunity to reach out and work with brands that I had always wanted to work with and, you know, support those brands as well. So I definitely grown in terms of the people that I'm working with now and the companies that I'm working with now are a lot more aligned with where I wanted to be. I think when you start out, you don't really know. So you do just say yes to everything. Uh, but yeah, so now I'm working with a lot of interior designers and builders and architects and beautiful um, brands that I love and the two just go hand in hand. So that's one thing about where it's um, evolved and grown. And what was the other part of the question? Um, I was asking you about travel because you you don't travel, live. how that's evolved. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it's it sounds like a kind of like an off off hand kind of question in the way of like, well, what's that got to do with all of this stuff? But I think that when you're running your own business and like that is such a huge part of the, the logistics of of doing these photo shoots is such a huge part. And like, do you, you know, charge for that or how do you build that in or how do you work out your your days and weeks so that you can make that possible when you're not living, you know, if you're living in Sydney in the city and like all your clients are in the city, it's it's like, well, you just drive there and, you know, that's easy. That's yeah. something you can do. But if you're a little bit of distance out of a kind of city area or your clients are around the country, I don't know if you work like that much anymore, but, um, but obviously travel is a component. Yeah. And I think it's really important to travel, uh, to charge for travel because they can get a local photographer there, or you could do local work where you are. Whereas if you're going to have to leave your family and travel, you have to kind of be compensated for that. And I have always charged a travel fee. Um, so it just depends on the location and whether, you know, I need accommodation or flights or car hire. And that's, I just, yeah, I quote travel basically per job because it does vary. But I think when you're running a business, it's really important to take that and factor that into your pricing. So, I mean, I like to streamline my pricing as much as possible. So I do have packages, which works for, you know, 90% of jobs. But when they are out of Sydney or they are quite a fair way away, uh, we just ch charge and quote for travel on top of that. And most people are happy to pay that because, like I said, they could get a local photographer, but um, they obviously want to get me up there. So they pay for that. Um yeah, and it just it really just covers my expenses to get up there and to leave my family and, you know, get daycare for my son and all of that kind of thing. But you do have to structure it into your week. I've, I usually book out about four weeks in advance. Um, it was at one point three months in advance, but we've sort of got to a point now where I won't actually book that far out anymore because of things that I have to factor with my family and that sort of stuff. So uh, usually I'll release the, all of the shoot dates sort of like four to eight weeks out. Um, and then everyone's got opportunity to book it in and it book, they book out really quickly. So, yeah, but I think it's very important to charge for travel. Yeah, you can do that. I mean, I think when you're starting out, sometimes there's a, maybe a reluctance like, oh, you know, but they could get someone local and I want this job and, and you have to, there's always that payoff, like, well, how much do I want this job? How much is it going to contribute to my portfolio? You know, I think some jobs you're happy to kind of take a bit of a loss maybe, um, you know, if it, you feel like it's really worthwhile for your portfolio and it can maybe help you get other work. Other times if it's the client that really wants you and maybe it's not as appealing for you and you think, well, you know, I'm going to charge for this um, because it's it's going to be worth my while to kind of to go to that length of time and effort and, and all of that. So I, I do think it was an important question to ask because I think that, particularly when people are at the start of their journey, sort of factoring in these things, it's like, what do I do here? You know, I don't really know what to kind of consider. So um, thank you for, for sharing a little bit about that with you and how you approach it. What about now? How, how do you roughly structure your, your days and weeks? Can you give us a little bit of a, a day in the life or a week in the life of Nat? <laughs> 
Yes, I can. Um, with the traveling and when you're starting out though, I did a shoot down, it was about three hours down the South Coast and I didn't, I did the shoot for free and I traveled and it was just like you said, sometimes you just do things that are mutually beneficial that you really want to do. And then I still have that same client today. So whilst I did travel and I didn't charge her anything for it, it sort of paid itself off. And even if I hadn't got her back, it was a property. I do shoot holiday properties a lot of the time. So it was something that I wanted to capture anyway. Um, so yeah, it is all about give and take when you're starting business and learning that. Um, my weeks now are very different and I've got a 10 month old baby. And so it's really been an eye opener as to how to structure my week. Uh, prior to having Leroy last June, I was working pretty much 24 seven. I was probably doing four shoots a week uh, out. They're always out on location. So all over, I could be one day flying up to Queensland and doing some shoots up there or flying down to Melbourne or whether they were in Sydney. I was probably shooting at least four days and then editing um, the other like three days because I pretty much worked all weekend as well. And then since having Leroy, I now shoot three days a week. So he's in care three days and then I still would edit overnight. So still trying to find that balance. Uh, but if I've got an editorial styling and photography job, I might allocate the day before a shoot to go and source everything and collect it all and then go style the job. And then the day after would be, you know, get there. I suppose a normal shoot day would be to arrive on site at 8am and then we can be there anywhere from three to six hours, sometimes eight hours. Uh, yeah, it really, with interior photography, it really just varies if you're styling a job or if you're doing a full style or, or you know, a partial style or a small styling job, whether they want 15 images or 30 images, it's just everything changes based on what the client's after. So yeah, my usual week is probably out on the road three days for up to eight hours a day. And then the rest of it, I'm home doing the admin and probably starting that at about 7.30 at night and editing at night time, editing on weekends. That's the general week in my life. And then going to the beach and doing walks wherever I can in between. <laughs> yep. Downtime is is so important, isn't it? When you, particularly when you're mm. sort of like looking at a screen a lot and you just need to kind of have that mental break, completely understand that. Um, now, at the end of each episode, I ask every guest um, a series of questions and um, I'm going to, to start now with the first one, which um, is which five words best describe you? Um. I'd probably say ambitious because I'm just always looking for the next thing. Like, what can I do next in the business? Um, creative, again, I can't really sit still. Um, always just thinking of like, again, the next big idea. Um, impatient. So COVID taught me patience because you can't get everything. You can never get anything really when you wanted it. And I'm forever restyling my own house. So having to order and wait for things is always a learning curve for me. Um, what is that three? Um, caring, I would say. I'm very much always about my, like making sure my family are okay and my, my little boy is doing well and, you know, my husband's okay and just checking in there. So caring and um, what else? I don't know. Yeah, uh, driven or deadline driven probably is more. I will, yeah, probably sit on something for a while. And then as soon as it arises, I am instantly in gear and ready to roll. So, yeah, that's probably how I would describe myself. Great. Love it. Um, what's the best lesson that you've learned, like a big life lesson? I've learned lots of life lessons, especially running a business. I think you learn something new probably at least once a week. Um, I did do a course a few years ago and one of the biggest things was learning to say no to the wrong jobs so the right jobs could find their way in. And I think that was a real eye-opener for me. 
having said that, I still struggle with that even today saying no to work. And I think it's a big problem, not a big problem, but a big learning curve for a lot of people in business learning to say no, but it's an important one. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's been your proudest achievement? like you never really stop to think of the proudest achievement you're just kind of thinking what's next so um being in magazines actually I always wanted to see my images in print and I remember working for the style like a property styling company and paying to have an ad in one of the magazines and I was so excited to see my photo in there and now like I've gone from that to being in magazines and then having my photos on the cover of magazines and it's still like hasn't lost its last every time. I still get that really excited feeling of seeing my photos in print. It's just hard to explain. So that one and probably doing the workshops because as someone I didn't have much confidence growing up. And so actually going out and running my own workshops has been a huge thing for me. And I love it now, but at the time, I just thought it was something I would never be able to do. Yeah, that's great. What's been your best decision? Oh, um, probably just to actually give the Palm Co a go. I could still be working as a property stylist or working for someone else had I not actually just taken the risk and listened to, you know, the advice of people around me. So, yeah, probably just, you know, betting on myself and actually giving the Palm Co a proper chance. No, that's so good. And, I mean, look where you are now. Um, who inspires you? I always find that a tricky one. There's always so many, like there's lots of people that inspire me. I probably couldn't pinpoint or pick just one person to talk about, but um, basically anyone that's willing to, you know, take the risk and give it a go. I think it's so important to really um, back yourself there. And also um, I never realized how hard it was to run a business and have a newborn until I was put in those shoes. And so any women out there who have a family and run their business, I find them very inspiring. It's hard. It's a struggle. And I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. So yes, I find them all inspiring. Yeah, no, definitely. And it does get easier. So <laughs> know that. Um, <laughs> what are you passionate about? Oh, well, interiors, <laughs> um, but also outside of interiors and outside of like photography and work, um, travel. I can't wait to travel again. We haven't traveled uh, since 2019, like right before COVID hit. So we're definitely wanting to travel again. Um, oh, my little boy and Pilates, uh, reading whenever I can. But yeah, travel's probably right up there. And hopefully we'll get to take Leroy traveling soon. Yeah, no, it's, it's so much fun when you can do those things. Uh, what dream do you still want yeah. to fulfill? I, I feel like I've got a new dream every week, but um, <laughs> at the moment I have always, like I said, wanted to get into the education side of things and I'm finally going to launch my course. Um, that's one thing that I've always wanted to do. Uh, so that is probably the next dream that I'm looking to fulfill and see where that goes, the whole education side of things, just because I wish I'd had that help when I started running this business. Yeah, no, completely. I mean, that's, yeah, it's like you say, I mean, it's it's such a kind of closed door industry in some ways. And I was fortunate enough that I was on a magazine. So learnt kind of like you, you know, like learnt on the job so many things. But if you're on the other side of that, it can just seem like such an enigma. What about what are you reading? What's on your bedside table or maybe on your coffee table? What are you reading at the moment? Um, I actually just got a book which is called Verity by Colleen Hoover but I haven't started reading it yet um but usually I'd be reading like some sort of suspense thriller type of book or um a light easy read like a summer romance novel which just completely takes me out of the real world <laughs> there's so definitely a place I'm for there. that isn't there yep I completely understand oh, and what about what are you listening my escape <laughs> yeah. What are you listening to? Do you listen to podcasts or maybe audiobooks, music? What what do you enjoy listening to? Yes, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um uh Nicola Dixon, I am listening to at the moment. She's my 
one of my business coaches and I just love all of her advice. I find her really inspirational. Uh, so I've been listening to a lot of her at the moment, but then in terms of um, music, I am probably living in the past. I listen to like the Cranberries and just a lot of stuff from like the 70s, 80s and 90s really. And then also just acoustic music, I guess, like the Lumineers and that sort of thing from now. So love the music though. It's another escape. <laughs> and finally, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self? Um, to be more confident just because I think you get so caught up in what other people think rather than sometimes listening to your own gut. It's just important to, yeah, be confident, give yourself a go and take some risks. Yeah, perfect. Good note to end on. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, really, you know, so interesting to learn about your journey and, um, you know, it's amazing what you've achieved with the Palm Co in a relatively short period of time and look forward to seeing, you know, how it evolves and grows into the next steps. What, what are some of the ways that people can see your work, connect with you, learn more from you, um, share all the things? Yes. Uh, or Instagram, obviously, um, one of the biggest ones and been huge for my business, I guess. Um, so that's, the Palm Co at the dot Palm Co um, and my website, thepalmco.com.au. And if you're wanting to learn interior photography or editorial styling, I'm running workshops and we'll also have the online course. And so I'll put more information about that out there um, through social media and on my website. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks again for your time. And uh, yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you. I love being on here. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint. <laughs>